Uh, this morning, we're going to speak from that little psalm, uh, the psalm of David in chapter 23, a psalm that I'm sure we're all very familiar with. It's probably been one of my favorite psalms because uh, when I was 14 years old, the Lord took my dad home to be with him, and uh, they, he preached a, a message from this little 23rd psalm. And so it's always been a real favorite of mine, and I've always actually wanted to preach it, and I, um, just to be able to go through it and study it uh, word by word, line by line, and it's, it's, it's just an amazing little psalm. What a comfort it is. So it is our privilege and also our responsibility to stand behind this pulpit this morning. Pastor Phil, pray for him and Rachel. They're down south and at Cambria. He had a gig last night, and uh, so that's why we're up here uh, building in for him. This morning, as a way of introduction, we'll start with a little story. And it was after the funeral of his first wife, the late Donald Gray Barnhouse, distinguished pastor of the uh, 10th Presbyterian Church in Philadelphia, was thinking about how he could... Uh, convey to his young children the loss of their mother. And as he tried to conjure up the words of comfort, the shadow of a large van passed over their car as they were driving down the highway. Instantly, Barnhouse thought of the words needed for the moment. And he says, children, he asked, would you rather be run over by a truck or by a shadow? And the children quickly answered, well, of course, Dad, we'd rather be run over by a shadow. The shadow cannot hurt us. And then Barnhouse, the master illustrator that he was, he replied, the truck of death ran over the Lord Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago so that only its shadow now passes over us. That is all that has happened to your mother. Only the shadow of death has passed over her. She is now unharmed, safe in heaven. This is the comforting message of Psalm 23, one of the most loved songs of David from the inspired pen. If there is one psalm that has encouraged more hearts, it is this psalm, this beautiful masterpiece, probably the best known passage in the entire Old Testament. One historian put it this way about this towering psalm. He said, it has sung courage to the army of the disappointed. It has poured balm and con consolation into the hearts of the sick of captives in dungeons, of widows in their grief, of orphans in their loneliness. Dying soldiers have died easier as it was read to them. Ghastly hospitals have been illuminated. It has visited the prisoner and broken his chains. And like Peter's angels, led him forth in imagination and sung him back to his home again. It has made the dying Christian slave freer 
than his master. Such is the powerful peace that has filled the souls of troubled believers down through the centuries of time. No one who has ever feasted at the banquet table of this psalm has gone away hungry. The great Baptist preacher Charles Haddon Spurgeon called it the pearl of all psalms. Alexander McLaren, the noted Scottish expositor, said, It has dried many tears and supplied the mold into which many hearts have poured their peaceful faith. James Montgomery Boyce extols it, noting millions of people have memorized this psalm. Even people who are going through severe trials, suffering long illness, or dying. For some, the words of this psalm have been the last thing that they uttered upon this life. This psalm is indeed a masterpiece, as we said, of inspired praise, testifying to the abundant grace and goodness of God to His people. And here in this 23rd Psalm is a testimony of David, of the Lord's faithfulness as he looked back upon his past life when he was a shepherd tending to his flock. David wrote out of his own experience as he spent the early years caring for sheep. The image of a shepherd with his flock was so engraved upon David's heart and mind to represent his relationship with God. David had known what it was like to travel and to be a weary guest who had enjoyed the care of a loving host. So in this psalm, David pulled together both images to convey the abundance of God's provision for all believers in need of His peace and protection. And I believe before we continue on now, like Phil says, before we get to work, we'll go to the, word, to the Lord in prayer. So let's bow our heads. Father, we thank You for this opportunity to be able to look into Your Word, into this wonderful psalm, and where we find much comfort and much grace. Oh, Father, we're so thankful that we are your sheep in your pasture. And no man can pluck us out of the Father's hand. Father, we're so thankful that you love us, that you care for us, that you nurture us and feed us and guide us, protect us through life, just as David cared for his sheep. And so, Father, help us as we go through this little psalm, as we see the analogy here between the sheep and the shepherd, that it might give us comfort, comfort our hearts, strengthen us to live lives that would be closer and closer to Christ. Strengthen me this morning by your power. May we look to you, may you speak. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, I believe, we'll 
Before we start, we'll just read uh, this little psalm. Read it together, Psalm 23, 1 through 6. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for His namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for He is with me. His rod and His staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Spurgeon, as we see in, in our little paper this morning that, uh, in the uh, bulletin, that in his little quote he says, If he be a shepherd to no one else, he is a shepherd to me. He cares for me, watches over me, and preserves me. That's exactly what he does. He is my shepherd The relationship that we see pictured here is God is my loving shepherd in 1A and that I am his lowly sheep. The sheep and the shepherd. David began this psalm by introducing the first metaphor that shows the relationship between or the resemblance or the analogy between the Lord and His people, of a shepherd and his flock. During David's youth, he had been a shepherd. He was watching over his flock. He was responsible for them. So it was easy for him uh, to uh, get this picture in his mind. 1 Samuel 16, 11 through 19 tells us about the shepherd and the sheep, and 17, 15. Transferring this image to God, he declared, the Lord is my shepherd. And I had to, I had to stop for just a minute and, and just analyze this, think about this. The Lord is my shepherd. Uh, it's, it's interesting here, just as a keynote, The word or the pronouns, I, me, or my, 17 times in this six verses, he uses that little pronoun. So he makes it very personal, doesn't he? This psalm is personal. It's it's a relationship between the sheep and the shepherd. And it just amazes to me. I thought, you know, wouldn't it be good, maybe as we read this psalm, and we would, we would place our name every time we saw that little pronoun. So you might read it. The Lord is Bruce's shepherd. Bruce shall not want. He makes Bruce lie down in green pastures. Put your name there. It really makes it personal. Because we do have a personal relationship with our shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Everything in these next four verses flows out of the shepherd's theme. So we need to ask ourselves, is he my shepherd? Is he your shepherd? What is the most amazing thing that was in ancient Israel? A shepherd's work was considered the lowest of the low. It was the lowest of all work. A shepherd actually, he would live with the sheep 24 hours a day with full devotion, day and night, both in good weather and bad weather, to nurture, to guide, to guard, to lead, to guide, to protect his sheep. And I don't know if you've ever been around sheep. I, my neighbors used to raise sheep, about 50 or 60 uh, flock of sheep there, and across the road. And I remember going over there, and sheep stink. They're, they're a smelly animal. They really are. But, you know, then I got to thinking, and, and we, we're, we're considered sheep. And lots of times we stink. And uh, we, we don't smell so good as far as our spiritual life's concerned. And uh, I think that's what he's saying here. You know, he said, um, I lost my place here. <laughs> the shepherd would assume full responsibility for the needs and the safety of his own flock. Many times, even risking his own life. He would be out there at night, and maybe one of the sheep would, would kind of wander off, and he'd have to go out and look for that sheep. Maybe take him all night, and then he would be afraid that the because sheep, they just kind of wander around. He didn't know whether they would wander off or what. And so it was a tremendous responsibility laid upon the shepherd. <coughs> this is what God, through Jesus Christ, has chosen to be to each one of us, his people. And many of the Psalms, it's interesting, follow this same thing. I, there, there's a lot of verses of Scripture that do uh, talk about the shepherd and the sheep. But in, there's about, I don't know, eight or nine Psalms. I'll, I'll give them to you. Those are taking notes. If you might want to jot them down, it's up to you. Uh, Psalm, I'll rattle them off here. 28, verse 9. 74, verse 1. 77, verse 20. 78 verse 52, 79 verse 13, 80 verse 1, 95 verse 7, and 100 verse 3. They all have that shepherd's theme. It's kind of interesting. But he is our everything as our shepherd. He's our constant guide, our constant protector. I don't know, I, I would have never made it through life without my shepherd. And secondly, in verse 1b, we see that his relationship enjoyed. He says, I shall lack nothing. Because of the greatness of God and of his constant loving care to you, you and I, and over his flock, David concluded, he said, I shall not want. Or some of the... Uh, some says the, I shall not be in want. 
I believe the same wording. Do you know that sheep left by themselves, they lack everything? Uh, they're totally helpless. And they cannot care for themselves. They'll wander around. Sheep will. They'll just kind of go around circles if they're left of their own. They won't eat. They won't lay down. But under the shepherd's watchful care, all their needs are abundantly met. So it was for David as well as for all of us believers who are under the shepherd's watchful care who is all-sufficient, inexhaustible, and unchanging. All of us who are God's sheep are precious to Him. Every one of us. And we shall not be in want. We will lack nothing that is good and necessary for our spiritual life. You can't just say, well, Lord, uh, I'm not going to lack anything. I'm, I'm so thankful for that. And pray for a new uh, Corvette to show up in the driveway, and that'll happen. Um, but everything, as far as your spiritual needs, and as far as your growth, God will give us. Because that is what makes us draw closer and closer to the Lord Jesus Christ. We can enjoy that to the fullest. Jesus said, I believe in one of the Gospels, He said, I write these things to you that your joy may be full. So we can live in that fullness of joy, trusting in God for every situation. In verse 2, he says, I shall not lack rest. Continuing the shepherd's theme, David boasted, He makes me lie down in green pastures. That little verb makes is kind of interesting. Again, sheep. I can still get down. Can't get up, but I can get down. <laughs> that little word makes there. He makes me lie down. Again, sheep are fearful animals. They're easily spooked and panicked. And when they're scared, they will not lie down to rest. You can't even make them left alone to lie down to eat in the green pastures and the grassy meadows. They won't do it. Only the shepherd can provide that calm assurance to make them lie down in green pastures or in grassy meadows. This shows us of the peace and the comfort and the satisfaction that only our God can provide for His sheep. He comforts us through every trial and every heartache and every care in life. If we will only let Him Make us lie down. So many times, we just won't lie down. We need to lie down to rest in green pastures. Back in May, I had my left shoulder surgery, 
and I, I was made to lie down. And for quite a while, uh, I couldn't get out and do things like I wanted to. I couldn't drive the car and for about four months, and, and uh, that was, a, it was kind of a hassle, you know. But during this time, it was a real joy. You know, I even, I learned a lot through the pain. I had pain, but I learned much. We need pain, brothers and sisters. We really do. We need suffering. That's what draws us closer to Him. And I found by being down, I could lie down in the green pastures of His Word and spend time in prayer, spend time in communion and fellowship with Him. More time. Because there's something about when we're on our bed looking up, that's the only place we can look, is up. And what is more, though, David said, he didn't just make him lie down in green pastures, he said he leads me beside still or quiet waters. Literally, this refers to the waters that have been stilled, expanding on this scene so peacefully. Weary and tired sheep need a long drink from the rapid stream. But there's only one thing about it, one, one problem. Sheep are afraid of running water. They won't drink out of a flowing stream. It's got to be quiet waters. So the shepherd must find some large stones and dam up an area, three or four foot area there in the, in the river or the creek. And so these sheep it will cause the rushing stream to slow its current and create quiet waters. And the sheep will then drink to their full and they will do so with no fear because the waters are quiet. God does that for us. Not only does He make us lie down in green pasture, but He does lead us beside quiet waters. Times where we can just Commune with Him. There's nothing more, more enjoyable. There's nothing that I have found in my life that is worth more than just that little time with me and the Lord. What a blessing. So even during those times, in a couple months or maybe even a month from now, I'm going to have this shoulder surgically taken care of because this is a little worse than the other one was. So I'm going to be made to lie down again. But that's all right. God's good. He knows what we need. Then the sheep will drink with no fear. Our Heavenly Father gives true abiding peace to you and I who abide in Him and drink of His marvelous grace. That peace which passes all understanding will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Philippians 4 tells us. Now in 3a, he says, I shall not lack life. This good shepherd restores my soul. He doesn't just make me lie down in green pastures. He doesn't just lead me beside still waters. He restores my soul. This statement is open to a couple interpretations. 
It may picture the straying sheep being brought back into the fold. It seems in the context here that's what he would be referring to. We see it in Isaiah 49, 5 and Psalm 60, verse 1. In the Hebrew, the words can literally mean he brings to repentance or he brings to conversion. As we see in Hosea 14, 1 through 3, or Joel 2, 12 and 13. Psalm 19.7 also uses the same wording to picture the spiritual renewal or revival of a believer. Many times we tend to go our own way or we kind of venture into close to the world. And God has to restore us again. Restore our soul. Not We don't lose our salvation But many times, we need to be restored. We need to be brought back to a close walk and fellowship with the Lord. But since the word for soul in the Hebrew is the word nephesh, meaning life, this may mean that the Lord restores David to physical life or physical health. Either interpretation, I don't think... uh, does damage, but I believe it certainly holds true here. But I think, as I said, with this context, it seems more to me as a spiritual life. He restores my soul. Um, But our shepherd does restore us spiritually, and he restores us physically. We know that, and we're thankful for that. And in 3B and C, we said, I shall not lack guidance. And David continues, the Lord guides me in paths of righteousness. Unlike other animals, sheep lack a sense of direction. They can become easily lost. They don't even know where they're going in a normal environment. They're kind of like my daughter when she was 16 years old. Stephanie, she, uh, she got in the car and you know, she was going to head to Modesto and we was never quite sure whether she'd make it to Modesto or end up in Ripon or Stockton or Turlock or you never know where. She just wasn't good with directions, and she kind of got that from uh, chip off the old block, I think. <laughs> but, he, <laughs> you know, sheep are so easily to go astray. They're easy And they're prone to wander, wander off. It reminds me of that that song, I think we've sang it here before, where it says, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, Lord, take and seal it. Seal it for the courts above. Yes, we are prone to wander. We're like sheep. We go astray. The shepherd must continually guide them to the paths of righteousness or into the right path. If they are to be moved from field to field without falling into deep crevices or off the rugged cliffs, the shepherd has to be there to guide them. Likewise, our God, by His Word and His Holy Spirit, guides His flock in the right way. 
All this God does for what? For one thing. For His name's sake. All for the honor of His own glory. That's what God does. He does it for His glory. The highest of all His motives. Even when we as believers sin, when God is committed to leading us back into the right path, it is all for His glory. Always for His glory. What a what an amazing God we have. What an amazing shepherd that we have this morning. Now in 4, A and B, he says, I shall not lack safety. Taking this image just a little farther, David portrayed the shepherd as a protector of the sheep in their times of greatest danger. He says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. What a blessing it is to know that He's always with us. 24 hours a day, no matter what we go through. The shepherd would lead his flock many times from grazing place to grazing place and field to field, as we said. A move which often involved passing through a narrow valley between jagged and rugged cliffs. That's the way it was over there in Israel. I think uh, maybe my buddy Gordon Rumble said that there's a like 30-mile stretch there. And, uh, and it was filled with potential dangers, such as wild animals. So the shepherd and the sheep, they had to be very cautious. Uh, the sun also would be obstructed uh, from shining into the valley. You know how that happens, and it creates uh, a darkness or a shadow, and you can't see. And that would, actually, that place would become a place of death for wandering sheep. It was a shadow of death. And for us, even in dangers, both seen and unseen, the Lord is present to guard us and to guide His flock keeping us from all fear of evil as He leads us into the right path, into His righteousness. God will lead His sheep through dark places, even death. How thankful we are for that. Now in 4C, keeping with this shepherd's theme, David declared, he says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. What was the shepherd's rod? Well, it was a rod, usually an oak club about uh, two feet long. And oak is pretty hard, you know, it's a, it's a hard wood. And, and they would use that to kind of uh, guard and to defend the flock against a wild animal such as bears, there'd be bears and there would be uh, lions and they would use this club to kind of war them away to keep the sheep safe. 
And then there was a staff or the shepherd's crook. And it was a bent or a hooked at one end, like a cane, kind of like. And they would use this crook to kind of reach into places and where the sheep got stuck in thickets, they'd pull them out or um, into the holes or they would lead them along narrow paths. They'd use them for leading or sometimes for counting, they would, they would use that. Because they'd have to count the sheep because, well, say you got uh, 70 uh, head of sheep and so you had to make sure that, you know, Charles and Joel and <laughs> Henry and George was all there. You had to keep good track of all of them. And so, anyway, these were important tools for the trade. It was very important for the shepherd, and it was very important for the sheep. The rod we see as was a defender or a correction, and the staff as a comfort. And you and I, as, as sheep of our shepherd, we need correction, and we need comfort. Uh, there's so many song, or verses we could turn to, but we'll, there's one in Hebrews where he says, Paul says, for the Lord disciplines the one he loves. All those who he loves, he chastises, he disciplines. We need discipline. We just need it. I'm almost 70 years old, and I still need the discipline rod of correction in my life many times and that shepherd's staff the crook is a means of comfort and there's so many areas of comfort that we could read but again in Thessalonians chapter 2 16 he says now may our Lord Jesus Christ and God our Father who loved us and gave his eternal comfort and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work and word. He will comfort our hearts. We need that staff to comfort us through every trial, every trouble that we face in life. We do live our lives surrendered, surrounded by many dangers. Many dangers, yet God's word and his loving hand of the Spirit guides us and guards us as we walk in holiness for him. Now that's, we've covered about the sheep and the shepherd thing in here. And now we're going to the gracious host in the last two verses, five and six. We see the relationship pictured here is God is my loving host, and I am his lowly guest. We're just the lowly guest. In 25, or in chapter 23, verse 5a, David now shifts gears. He changes his thought from the shepherd and flock theme to the host imagery. As a gracious host would attend to the needs of his guests, so David said to God, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Though David was surrounded by many enemies who sought him harm, 
David recognized that God, his shepherd, was with him for his good, supplying his needs, every need, as a host would care for a guest. God takes care of us like that. Romans 8.28 says, For we know, not we think, or maybe it's true, but he says, For we know that all things, not some things, all things work together for good to those who love God and are the called according to His purpose. God's sovereign. Everything that comes down our path has been sovereignly given by God and allowed, no matter what it is, no matter how hard, no matter how severe the trial. God loves you. God cares for you. And God has supernaturally allowed this in your life for His good. God was with him for his good, supplying his needs as a host would care for a guest. Again, the same central theme we see is reinforced. Even under the most adverse circumstances, in the face of our worst trials from the enemy, David would lack nothing, nothing. He found that he hosts a wonderful meal for us. My brother and sister this morning in Christ, this meal is from Genesis 1 to Revelations 22. Read it. Study it. Meditate upon it. It will fill you as we see to the brim. If I be, he says, I shall not lack provision. If I be and see. It was a custom in that time of the loving host to provide for the traveler when they came in to anoint his head with oil. David said, you anoint my head with oil. The word anoint here is the Hebrew dashen, which literally means to wealth or abundance, or I like the word well-fed. Just well-fed. What's he saying? This speaks of the Lord's ministry to revive his heart during trials. When we're going through the severe trials, he anoints our head with oil. He massages our head And He invigorates us, renewing us again for the demands of life. He anoints our head with oil. And then He says, David testified, My cup overflows. I'm sorry, but I have to go back to the old King James. Because I really like that. He says, my cup overflows. Not overflows, I'm sorry. My cup runneth over. 
Think about that. There's something about runneth over. I don't know. It just, it just seems, I can't even explain it. But it, it just seems greater than overflows. Runneth over is just like, just amazing. Referring to the constant supply of drink that's provided by an, by an attentive host, a host that watches over and makes sure that people are, their, their glasses are full. His cup was always filled to the brim to the point of running over with the most satisfying drink imaginable. That's what our shepherd does for us. Have you ever experienced that? Just that that tremendous joy of the cup of grace just running over in your life. Maybe through a, a, a real severe trial, you've experienced joy that's beyond all understanding. You can't explain it. But it's a drink that runs over. This pictures the abundant supply of God's divine grace in David's life, which was more than sufficient to strengthen and sustain him in his most dangerous circumstances. It seems like in life, I remember, like I say, when my dad died at 14, I thought, boy, I don't think I can go through anything that's rougher than this. But you know, it seems like they continue to get worse, don't they? The trials. We go one trial, then another, then another, then another. And we find that all through life. The trials don't stop. They keep coming. But they're for our good. And His divine grace, that abundant supply, is always provided. And it causes me just to cry out to my shepherd. We become more and more in love with the shepherd. That's what happens. God is an infinite source of all that you and I as believers need to live victorious lives in difficult situations. Now in 6a, he says, I shall not lack goodness and love. David concluded, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Goodness and mercy. There's a Hebrew word for goodness there is tab, that which is pleasant or beautiful. God's presence and grace are always beautiful. Even when David found himself in life-threatening threatening situations, through thick and thin in every extremity in life, God's blessings were chasing after David. It reminds me of a story that, that uh, my dear buddy uh, Gordon Rumble told me here just not long ago about 
goodness and mercy. He said, uh, it was about a farmer who had two dogs, German shepherds, big dogs. And one was named goodness and the other was named mercy. <laughs> and he said, goodness and mercy, when he'd go to the barn, they'd follow him to the barn. And when he'd go out into the field with the tractor, goodness and mercy would follow him out there. They'd be nipping at his heels. And then on the way back to his house, goodness and mercy would be chasing him. And he says, wherever the farmer went, he was being chased by goodness and mercy. And you know, he says, that's just the way it is with God, our shepherd. He is chasing us down with the power of the Holy Spirit with goodness and mercy in our lives. It's always chasing us. How thankful that we can be for the goodness and mercy of God. He says, every day of my life. What a joy. What a Savior. And finally, in 6b, he says, I shall not lack eternal blessing. Finally, David ends this little song on a very triumphant note, a high note. He says, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I will dwell. Not only will goodness and mercy follow me all the days of my life, but I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I don't know about you, but I'm really looking forward to dwelling in the house of the Lord forever. Even death itself would serve David's greater good, which would usher him into the very presence of God where he would enjoy goodness and mercy forever, praising God. And that forever is literally throughout the ages. We will dwell with our shepherd with our God, with our Savior forever and ever throughout the ages of time in heaven. And the older I get, the more I, I, I just, I guess I get kind of homesick. I can't wait where I can just go and be with the Lord. What a blessing that will be. What the Apostle Paul said one time, he said, I would rather... Depart and be with the Lord, which is far better. But he said, it's still needful that I stay. And I guess I feel that way. I have quite a few children, grandchildren, some great-grandchildren, and I have the flock here at RHC. And you know, as I was going through this psalm, I think... She, Cameron can relay with, relate with me here, and, and Pastor Phil. This psalm is not only speaking to me as a shepherd, or as a sheep. It definitely is speaking to me as a sheep. But I also looked at it as a shepherd. Pastor Phil, Cameron, and myself have been called here to help 
under-shepherd. God is our shepherd, Jesus Christ. But we are called to be shepherds of this little body, this flock here at RHC. And I think we really, as we read this psalm, I could see it as a shepherd as well. I looked at it like, yes, it is a 24-hour job a day. We are responsible for your souls, for help building you up, encouraging you in the faith, strengthening you, guiding you, guarding you, protecting you, keeping you from wandering, keeping you from falling into the crevices of life, keeping you from the things that are in this world, keeping you on the right path. That's our goal. That's our desire. That's our heartfelt from the bottom of my heart this morning, that's what I desire. And yes, I would love to go with be the Lord, but you know what? I still feel a responsibility here because I love you folks tremendously. And I have a desire to see you grow in the Lord Jesus Christ. I want us all to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. There is nothing that can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. In Romans 8, 28, not 8, 28, Romans, let's see, here we go, 8. Let's start with 35. Verse 35. He says, what or who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. We will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's a promise. Nothing can separate us from the love of Jesus Christ. Now, in closing, boy, I haven't had a drink all morning. The sufficiency in Christ, of Christ in the life of you and I as believers, it's an astounding matter of great comfort and encouragement. Whenever you and I have Christ in our life, we have everything. If you have Christ, He is our everything. There's nothing more that we need, nothing more that we want. You know, I in this life, there's things that we 
We enjoy. Some of us enjoy football or basketball or uh, fishing or, or whatever. But you know, in the long scheme of things, it doesn't matter a whole lot. Only Jesus, really. That's all that really matters. Jesus Christ meets our every need. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the creator and the sustainer of all things. He is the infinite God who can meet every need that we ever have. This is the central theme of Psalm 23, which is a source of grace to each one of us who believe in Jesus Christ. Because of the indwelling Jesus Christ in our lives, we will never lack anything we truly need within God's holy will. Christ is our peace. He's our protection. He's our guide in every situation. What a blessing it is for each one of us as believers this morning who is pictured here as a weak sheep and a weary traveler, to know that Christ is our good shepherd and our gracious host. He is all sufficient to meet every need that we have in Christ as our abundant supply. We would end this morning with a question. And that question is, who is our shepherd? Who is your shepherd? Is Jesus Christ your shepherd this morning? Can you truly say, the Lord is my shepherd in every area of my life? Do I give my all to Him? Or do I find myself wandering away into the world and its pleasures? If you're in Christ this morning, make God your shepherd. Make Him your everything. Give Him your all. And if you're outside looking in, if you do not know Christ as your shepherd this morning, if there's anyone here, I would plead with you to go and look to the cross. Jesus Christ walked this earth as a pure Lamb of God and He gave His life on the cross where He shed His blood for you and for me for our sins. And then He was buried and three days rose again for our justification. He made us righteous before God. You can come. Again, John 6.37 says, All that the Father gives me will come to me. And those who come, I will never cast out. If He's calling you this morning, then come. Don't wait. For today is the day of salvation.